your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. Today is the Power Hour. I've got the guys from Pittsburgh Power. It looks like Ethan and Brian are joining me today. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, troubleshooting, horsepower, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. We're going to get to those questions in just a little bit. Ethan, welcome. Hi, Kevin. And, good to be here. And Brian, this is a nice treat. Welcome to the show for the first time. Uh, Brian's running. Uh oh. Brian's running a minute behind here, but well, he got hung up in the shop. A little extra there, being the shop foreman. That's always the fun job of. Oh, making sure everybody has work to do while you're not accounted for there. Work has to come before goofing off on the radio. Oh, absolutely. I think we can manage a minute while we wait for him to catch up. I think we have a few things to talk about. So uh, since it is the week of the truck show, we might as well talk about the truck show. Who's going to be down here from Pittsburgh Power? Okay, they actually left oh, probably about an hour ago now. Uh, Sean Church and JR are on their way with the show truck and trailer and oh, all the fun stuff to set up for the show. Um, as you know, Sean Church is uh, you know one of our uh, engineers here, and JR also works in our engineering department. He's the one that does all the dyno work at the moment for the most part. Uh, I still run a, a dyno run occasionally, but... For the most part, he'll, he's the one that runs your truck. So anybody who has a question that is going to be at the show about how the dyno works and the process who haven't seen it, uh, JR's your guy to ask while he's down there. Got it. And that's good to know. You know, I we talk about the dyno all the time, and, and we just assume everybody knows. But there are a lot of truck owners that have either never had a truck on the dyno or have never been there when it's on there. So they don't really you know, understand the process. And your process is different with, with the way you secure the truck on the, the dyno is pretty amazing. There's nothing else like it. But anybody that's, you know, put a truck on a traditional dyno where you've got to ch- chain it down and get it up to horsepower and torque, and it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty big deal. The first time you see it, there's a lot going on. Um, you guys have just such a great setup. Uh, in your place. People should get there and see it. They should stop in just to see you guys put a truck on the dyno. Which, and for the most part, this week's going to be an exception, being we're missing half our crew going down to the the show there. Uh, typically, our dyno gets used every day. Um, we use it in many different ways to problem-solve trucks. And it really is a good problem solver because it's as close as you're going to get to replicating what's going on when the truck's going down the road and without going down the road. And then you have all the equipment there to analyze. 
So it, it really is the best of both worlds. You you can simulate real world loads and conditions, but you have all of your equipment there to to help analyze and troubleshoot. You can also visually see what's going on. Um, it's frowned upon to be standing on the back of a truck while it's driving down the road. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been done, but you're right. Probably not a good idea. Um, speaking of the guys yeah, getting I'm... down here and, and setting up, I think I've been recruited to help. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Bruce is... Uh getting his stitches out so he's not able to, to do to you know the uh the heavy lift in there before yeah and i guess uh pete's not feeling all that well so you guys are kind of short-handed all the way around so um i don't mind so i guess uh we are only going to do an hour today because of that though they need me to help set up tomorrow so i've got to get some stuff done today that i had planned on tomorrow so we'll do an hour We'll answer as many questions as we can, and uh, then we'll be here at the truck show. I'm sure we'll be answering a lot of questions at the show. So what, uh, anything new and exciting? Oh, any 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 trucks that uh, cross your mind? Anything interesting happening in the last week or so? Well, the one is we actually had a, a CM2250 fuel pump. The ceramic pistons exploded inside the pump, um, and then that got into the oil, and so we're into a kind of a, a not a, well, a nightmare situation where now you have ceramic uh, particles all through an engine. So that is extremely bad for many reasons, mostly being it's so abrasive that if it gets in the, between a bearing, which it did, you know, it grooves the bearing instantaneously. Um, and the particles actually get pushed through the filter, being that they're sharp enough that they can pierce it. Because we, we opened the filter and we didn't find any big chunks in there, but we definitely found chunks in the oil and through the the engine so far. Now, this is a common problem on that engine, isn't it? And it's the whole reason Cummins got away from the ceramic pistons. Um, and went back to the steel ones. The, their, their thought process behind it was good because the ceramic requires less lubrication, and being that the current diesel fuel today has less sulfur in it, it you know, it, it sounded like a good idea, but in, in reality, the long term wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's a shame that it's a fuel pump, and, you know, it would be bad enough if that fails, but when it fails, it takes out a whole bunch of other stuff with it. Well, in this case, it, it failed where the bottom of the, the, the plunger, the, the ceramic plunger failed. If the top fails and it throws it into the fuel system, that requires all new injectors, all new fuel lines. Anything with the fuel system has to be replaced at that point. Oof. Oh, what a mess. Um so is there is there a retrofit for this? If you have an engine with the ceramic pistons, can you swap them out to steel before it fails? You, you can at that. Um, they don't even make the ceramic ones anymore. So they, you know, they, they forcefully say that we kindly that you got if something happens, you have to replace it with the steel ones. Okay. So would there be a way for somebody, if they have this engine, and what, uh, 
what year and, and what it, this is an ISX, what years would this cover that you could possibly still have ceramic pistons in the fuel pump we're talking about? I, I think and don't yeah, and don't quote me on this one of exact years. I, I know it's the early CM twenty two fifties. I don't know the exact cutoff year where they they stopped making the, the ceramic. Um, I know the 2250s have them, and I can't remember how, how far they went in before they redesigned the, the piston yeah. there for the high-pressure pump. Okay, so roughly what years? So somebody, you know, let's, let's give them a range. So it's they... going to be 2011 to about 15. Okay. Um, somewhere in there. It might be 14, but I know it, 2011, they, when they first came out, they definitely had them for the several years after that. So I'll have to look up the exact year they switched that over. I'm sure there's a service service bulletin about that. Yeah, maybe we could put out more exact information next week if you find some time to do that. But if I owned an ISX between 11 and 15, I'd be checking. I and what's the easiest way to to check to know what was in there originally? Uh, a, a common shop can do that. Okay. So VIN number, engine serial number, yeah. Okay. Yep, yep, the normal there. And then uh, joining me now here, Kevin, is Brian Moan. Brian, welcome to the program. You're a a power hour virgin. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. So go easy on me. Oh, no, no, no. We always go really hard on the new guys. We make you answer all the questions, no matter what they are. Okay. All right. Right or wrong answers, just to answer, right? Yeah. We uh, we charge for right answers, but we give away wrong answers all day long. Uh, all right. Good deal. So no pressure or anything. Uh, I'm looking at the clock. Looks like we're going to uh, head into a break. And when we get back from that break, we are going to get right to your calls and questions. So we will be back. Check out the website. It's Let'sTruck.com. If you are heading down to the Louisville Truck Show, you have to stop into the West Wing. You'll find most of our maintenance-related partners there in the West Wing. Pittsburgh Power, Fleet Air Filters, OPS, Air Tabs. I'm sure I'm missing somebody, and they'll be upset about it. But most of our maintenance-related uh, partners are in that corner of the West Wing. I will be doing seminars every day of the show, and I'll also be doing uh, appearances in the truckstop.com booth every day. So, And between all of those things, I'll be wandering around. You'll have to chase me down and find me. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rothford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and Brian with me from Pittsburgh Power, and we're going to get right to your calls and questions. We are, well, we're going to start north of the border in Canada today. Jills, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Can you hear me okay? I can. Did I get your name right? Oh, Kevin? Yeah, it's Jill or Giles, however you want to <laughs> spell it. <laughs> Got it. All right. What, yeah, uh, you can hear me okay? You sound great. What can we help you yeah, with Yeah, okay. Hi, Ethan. Hi, Brian. How you doing? Very good. Um, I guess this question was more for John, but um, I have a deposit on a Dorothy for a, I have a two, 2013 Peterbilt with the MX-10, I guess you'd call it. <laughs> and uh, I just basically, I was just... Uh, you guys would know if it's going to be something that's going to happen because uh, if it is, I wanted to make an appointment and bring the truck in to have it installed and have a few other things done at the same time. Um, I can give you the update that I know. Um, we for This week alone, we've got three installations in the shop, uh, so we are working our way through the, the pre-order list there. and uh, We're doing pretty good at it. We're, we're the been working out the kinks and in the, the process but it is picking up its pace there a little slower than we would like but that's just life is like i like to call it never oh, oh. nothing goes according to plan a <laughs> yeah, for sure um uh yeah i know because i was hoping maybe if i made the appointment uh, i wanted to bring it to you uh and then i was going to go down and spend a few days and for spring carlisle so like you could have the truck for a week, so I was hoping if that's something that works, if that gives enough time. If I don't know if I had to talk to somebody else, maybe call call the, the shop and. Yeah, you're going to have to next week. John will be back in the office there, and he'll have a better idea of what the schedule uh, will hold. But yeah, definitely dropping the truck off makes it makes life a little easier to squeeze it in. It'll give us cool. a whole week to get the time there. It should only take. If, if, if it's a kit we haven't made yet, it's about two days. Um, if it's one of the ones where we have the, the jigs built, it's about a day uh, at post. Okay, because I was talking with somebody in service the other day, and uh, they were still saying maybe there was a EGR flow problem or just things weren't going very well, but that maybe he was thinking of something else. or. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't remember all the little details there. That's uh, John's project. I just kind of know where he's at. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, hey, some, for some reason, I can't get hold of John. Is there somebody else I should ask for, uh, Ethan? Uh, you can talk to Eric in sales. He might have a, a pretty good idea, too. Uh, he does a lot of the scheduling. Okay. Well, that's, that's probably <laughs> Okay. Well, I'll look uh, probably probably at Dawn next week. I'll, uh, I'll wait till next week and give a call and get that set up. And I'm you know, just looking forward to getting this getting this done and having this thing uh, running and working right. All right, somebody's got to help me out here. Oh, an absolutely. M- an MX-10 is that a 10 liter or is that a model number of some kind? Um, I'm trying to remember, Kevin, but oh, well, my computer's not cooperating here. Well, um, I'm glad I'm Kevin, not. Kevin, it's yeah. I believe. It's the 13 liter. It's the 
2010 emissions, so it's the first Got it. generation of that Got engine. it. Okay. When you said MX-10, and, and I know that they normally name those engines, like, by the liter size, I thought, boy, I've never heard of an MX-10 liter, but a 2010 emissions. Okay, <laughs> that that makes more sense to me. I thought maybe I was just missing something. So uh, thanks for that. Let's head off to Massachusetts. Doug, welcome to the program. with the crankshaft. Yeah, it, it broke off and was laying in the bottom of the oil pan, which in turn took out the motor at 345,000 miles. And I've just been told they've never heard of this happening, and I was curious if you guys have run into any issues with that happening in there. I haven't ran across that myself. I know back uh, when the ISX first came out, they had an issue with their uh, putting pistons through the block, but I, I haven't had an issue or, or I haven't seen personally an issue with the, the crank breaking like that. Now, one yeah, thing to get checked, and, and I, I know this is Bruce's favorite part on the engine, is to make sure that the, the, uh, the damper on the end wasn't bad from the factory. Um, you know, if it was dropped during the process before it was put on and the worker picked it back up and put it on and, uh, I would change that part if they put a new crank in it, or in this case, it, in the engine might have to all be replaced uh, it, together. It's getting an entire long block. When it went bad, it took okay. the block. It threw everything okay, so it out of balance, chunk. and it beat the block to death. I was just I was curious. Lucky. Everybody's telling me it's never happened, and I just wanted maybe to see if the guys could kind of play around with higher horse size stuff. It was only set at 485 from the factory for horsepower, so it wasn't turned a bunch of horsepower, and I was empty when it went when it went bad. So. Yeah, I would be curious just to cut the uh, the damper in half to see if it was locked up. Um, that could propagate a crack in the casting really fast. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate the info. Thank you very much. Welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's see. We're going to head into another call. We're going off to Indiana this time. Joe, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for the information that you provide. You're welcome. What can we help you with today? I'm having an intermittent vibration on an International 9400 with a C-15. It happens, it feels like there's no air in the suspension is is that type of vibration. Where should I look to start to remedy this? Well, I'll jump in with... with... If it is something... Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll jump in and then I'll let you guys... First off, we have to narrow it down by when it happens and when it doesn't happen. 
that way we can start to see is this an engine related, driveline related, tire wheel related. So have you kind of pinpointed when it occurs? Is there a certain set of circumstances? No, there's not. That's part of what's baffling me so. Well, one of the things you'll probably have to do is is try to narrow that down. Does it happen only when you're accelerating or only when you're coasting or both and then you got to move on to something else? Does it happen at a certain speed? If it happens when you're going down the road and you can either, you know, push in the clutch or drop it into neutral, does it go away? You're going to have to start otherwise you're going to spend a lot of money on troubleshooting. And you could do a lot of this going down the road by just trying to isolate when it happens. Does it happen if you're bobtailing or only with a trailer on? So you probably, you know, take some notes and really pay attention. Maybe we can come up with a couple ideas here. But normally, when you've got something that's intermittent like this, you've got to start to really narrow down when it's happening. Well, I never bobtail, so that part can go away. Well, no, it can't. Um, Does it loaded or empty? Hold on. No, what you might want to do is go bobtail the truck. Because if it doesn't happen, sometimes that's a suspension or a leveling valve issue. The, The truck might level differently without a trailer on it, and you might not get the vibration then. Those are the kind of tips and tricks that are going to save you money at the shop, if you can figure that out yourself. That's exactly the kind of ideas I'm hunting for. I I would spend a couple days playing around with different scenarios, you know, and then we could at least isolate. Is it an engine vibration, a driveline vibration, a suspension vibration, or a wheel and tire? Those are usually the four areas you're going to get something from. And if you can narrow it down based on some ideas like that, just trying different things and paying attention, then you'll spend less time and money at the shop. Yes, and it, it's okay. important to know how, how, how to recreate the problem. Um, and in this case, if, if you know what it takes to do it, we can recreate it on the dyno and solve the issue. That's what I was going to say. One of the nice things that Ethan was talking about at the beginning of the show was that uh, you can visually see these things where you can't see going down the road. You can see something that's shaking or vibrating or doesn't look quite right. You've got a better idea where to go, what direction to go to. Very, very good point. That is another nice benefit of, of having a dyno that actually gets used. Let me, uh, let me get to a break. We'll be right back. We'll get to more of your calls and questions right after this. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and Brian with me from Pittsburgh Power. I'm going to go back to Joe in Indiana. So, Joe, with some of those thoughts in mind, kind of give us a, a rundown of where you're feeling it, maybe when it does happen, any any details you've got. Maybe we can help point you in the right direction. It doesn't seem to make a difference whether I'm loaded or empty. But I always have a trailer, um, and it seems to happen on throttle or off at between 62 and 65 or 6 miles an hour. So it's speed-related. refresh me comes and goes. It's, but it, but uh, we're going to start to narrow it down, though. So it's speed-related, not RPM-related. So it, it doesn't happen at that same RPM two or three gears down. It's only happening at that speed. Is that correct? It doesn't seem to happen at that RPM lower, uh, at lower speed, no. So that kind of starts to rule out engine. But one of the things you could do is when it happens, push in the clutch or even better, drop it into neutral. And that way we isolate whether it's engine, because if the engine drops back to idle and you're still going 65 and the vibration disappears, then it could be engine related. If it it stays there, then it's more likely driveline, wheel, something along those lines. So, and that would even eliminate a couple other pieces of the driveline if we drop it into neutral. So that's one of the things you could do the next time you feel it. You said vibration. Does it, is it a, what we would call a high frequency vibration or like a bounce? Uh, more of a high frequency vibration. So like fast, not, there's no interval in between very short intervals in between the vibration, right? That's what I mean by high frequency. Yeah. Probably not a wheel then because a wheel, uh, a wheel out of round or something like that tends to give us a lower frequency, uh, more of a bounce. Are you feeling it in the steering wheel, the pedals on your feet, or your ass? Or all of them? More in my butt. Okay, that tends to point us towards the back of the truck more than the front. So those are the kind of things you can start to do to narrow it down so that when you do go into the shop and you talk to Brian and Ethan or whoever you talk to at Pittsburgh Power, they can spend less time on the dyno trying to figure out where it is. Uh Uh-oh, Brian, did we lose you? Oh, not Brian. Joe. We still have Ethan and Brian. Are you guys still with me? Looks like I might have lost everybody on the phones. Let me uh, figure out what happened there. Yep, looks like uh, I lost everybody on the phone. So it must have been on my end. 
Well, I will uh, have to figure out what happened here. All right, hold on, everybody. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Please enter your host pin when finished. I'm sorry, but I did not hear you press at least four digits of your pin number. To start your show now, press 1. It appears that the host has already dialed into this show. Only one host is allowed per show. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. <laughs> 